A reading from Psalm 12. These are God's words. For the choir director, according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. Save, O Yahweh, for the holy man has ceased to be. For the faithful disappear among the sons of men. They speak worthlessness to one another. With a flattering lip and with a double heart they speak. May Yahweh cut off all flattering lips, the tongues that speak great things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says Yahweh. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of Yahweh are pure words. As, tri- as silver tried in a furnace on the ground, refined seven times. You, O Yahweh, will keep them. You will guard him from this generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. These are God's words. You can take your seats. So this psalm begins with David being troubled by the absence of godly men around him. Those who were around him are characterized by one thing, the arrogance of their speech. It was in the context of listening to their worthless, flattering speech that David addressed God with the song. Another important thing about the context for uh, about the context of the song the psalm is that it is in the midst of the covenant people that David sings this. Um, if anywhere, this is where the holy man should have existed. But the cultural culture of Israel was in decline. The faithful were disappearing and the arrogant were taking their place. It is interesting that David says the outward mark of Israel's apostasy or cultural decline was the way that they talked. Their hearts had turned from God, and out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth spoke. Evidently, things were going pretty well for them, and with their tongue, they attributed their success to themselves. Though God had supernaturally freed their people from slavery, and had supernaturally given them victory over the enemies that surrounded them, they were saying that their prosperity was due to their brilliance. Expressions of this kind of arrogance are typical of apostates. They receive the gifts of God, abandon the gift giver, then claim they gave the gifts to themselves. This is not unlike New Zealand. We are not the covenant people of God, but our culture has been blessed tremendously by God through the influence of Christians and the word of God. Very few are acknowledging our Christian heritage and even less acknowledge that we've inherited something good from it. Instead, national pride is high because we abandoned our good past and we are now calling it backward. We boast about being a progressive and secular nation. Even some Christians boast in us being a secular nation as though theocracy or God's law would be a terrible thing for people today. As true Christians, Living in the midst of this cultural decline, we can hear the arrogant attributing societal success to their secular and progressive ideas. Gay marriage, trans rights, and female representation and leadership, we all know about it, 
It is their boast. All of this says, who is Lord over us? No one. What we say goes. But men cannot live in prosperity without God for long. There are inevitable consequences for the fool who says in his heart that there is no God. Secularism necessarily leads to much evil and destruction, and those who are worst affected by it are the needy. But God will not tolerate the fruits of secularism for long. Verse 5 says, Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says Yahweh. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. God allows these boastful flatterers to go on for a time, but in his time he will say, now I will arise, and it will not end well for the boastful. Notice that in verse 5, David sets up a stark contrast between the words of man and the words of God. We began with the words of man and end with the words of God. These two words of different origin are in contest with each other, and David has put them side by side to show there is no real contest at all. I don't think we should take these words to be uh, something that David heard audibly while he was writing the psalm. These words are what God says in situations comparable to this one um, at other times as well. When there are godless men with flattering lips causing much harm to those around them, at some points, God says, because of the devastation and affliction, because of the groaning of the needy that I now see, I will arise. I will now arise. God has spoken these words many times throughout history, and the safety that the oppressed longed for came by his hand. David tells us why God does this in the final verses, and these verses also explain why there is no contest between the words of God and man. Verses 6 through 8 say, The words of Yahweh are pure words, as, tri as silver tried in a furnace on the ground, refined seven times. You, O Yahweh, will keep them. You will guard him from this generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness ex is exalted among the sons of men. So unlike the words of man, God's words are 100% truth. No impurity is found in them. This should mean a lot to us this morning. What God says goes. So how should we live in the light of this fact? I'm going to make three applications from the immutability of God's words. Firstly, we must give up all resistance or doubt in God's words. Even the converted can resist his word. The God who made the mind that we use to doubt his promises, that God is going to accomplish all of his word regardless of how we think about it. So we must line up our thinking with his word, believe in the promises of God, and repent of all unbelief. Secondly, this nation will be God's one day. So don't look at the current state of things with your natural eyes, with all of our boasters around us. Look with the eyes of Abraham, our father in the faith, and believe that the whole earth will be the inheritance of his people in time. We have much work to do for this, to see this happen, 
but we do not work despairingly. We work by faith in God's immutable words. We work with the assurance of personal upward progression through sanctification in our lifetime and the assurance of global victory in history at the end of time. Third, do not worry yourself about the boastful around you. Those who think we have a stupid God are stupid themselves. Not all men are as arrogant as the men in the psalm, but those that are this arrogant, they are like a child swinging underneath the arm of an adult who holds them back by their head at arm's length. The only thing these childlike men can do in their position is swing and miss. As we watch them needlessly burning up energy, our hope is that one day they will get tuckered out and see the futility of fighting God with their words. This happened to me, and it can happen to your family and friends who outright reject the lordship of their creator. Take heart that one day, a one way that God ends flattering lips is through conversion. So don't worry yourself about the resistance of the rebellious. God may be pleased to break their resistance in time by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord. So we're going to sing this psalm now. If you could come up, Mel, that'd be good. And we're going to sing it to the tune of Amazing Grace. See? 